We come to John 19 this evening, verse 25 to 27, and we're continuing the series on marriage and family. And tonight I want to preach about widows. John 19, verse 25 to 27, on widows. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity of hearing your word today. And I pray that you would strengthen and encourage the hearts of your saints, and especially the widows, that you would bless their hearts, Lord. And then for us as a congregation to love the widows and take care of their special needs, as you expect of your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the reason I want to talk about widows and not widowers Obviously, this will apply to widowers also, but of all people who lose their spouses, 80% are women. So 80% will become widows, only 20% will become widowers. And that is the reason women live longer in general. I mean, just look at men. Men are often reckless. They, they can't just drive like normal human beings in a car. You see many men, they're reckless in driving, and uh, men fight, and men shoot with guns, and they play rugby, and they smoke, and they drink. Now, there are women who do all of those things also, but more often it's men that do those things. And then uh, hormones, testosterone, it doesn't help the immune system as much as a woman's hormones, estrogen. Estrogen, it's like an antitoxin. It's like detoxes you. It removes poisonous things from the body. And so men, for instance, men would then be more susceptible for heart diseases than women would. And then women, maybe the woman here could say that is, that is so, women would much easier... It's much easier for them, or they'll they'll be quicker at this, to make an appointment at the doctor. You often see men, I'm not going to see the doctor. Like the wife needs to nag her husband, please make an appointment at the doctor. And just think of of biblical times. Take the Old Testament, for instance, physical work. Even in the New Testament, physical work. Like today, men work in offices, and there's there's a lot of stress for men and women, but men often did physical work, so their bodies become worn down easier and... And men would fight in battles, in war. So yes, I'm, I'm limiting this evening's teaching to widows. But I also want to say this is for widowers. This is actually for anyone you've lost a loved one through death. Uh, you see Abraham, he lost his wife, Genesis 23. Ezekiel's wife died in Ezekiel 24. So it's for widowers too. You can apply these principles and the question then is, what, what does God expect of you, uh, widow? What does God expect of a widow? What does God expect of the people around you, your family or the church? So let's read John 19, verse 25 and see. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, 
Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that time, the disciple, from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So, question number one then, what does the Lord expect of you? Verse 25, and I'm talking to widows now. You know, sometimes men, they tease women, saying, yes, it was a woman who ate the fruit in the Garden of Eden. She brought all these problems into the world. But these men who joke like that, they don't go to the New Testament, and they don't say that the disciples fled, and the woman remained faithful. The women remained faithful and stood at the cross of Jesus when the disciples weren't there. Only John was there. The women were there right to the end. At another tree. Yes, in the beginning she ate from the tree, but now the women are standing at another tree where Jesus is nailed to that tree. The cross. And they don't tell you that the women were the first at the empty tomb. The women were the first to see the risen Christ. And that's how every widow should be. Every widow who calls herself a Christian, she should be loyal to Jesus like these women were. Loyal to Jesus. Devote herself, heart and soul, to Jesus. Verse 25, you see these women right to the end, they're there. Also his mother, who was a widow. Or in Luke 2, verse 36 to 38, you see the widow called Anna. And she's loyal, she's devoted to the Lord. Serving him through fasting and prayer in the temple. She's there day and night. So we should, widows should be like that. Widows should be like a lady in our church. She picks up the other ladies for church. Honey bots. Faithful. Serving other believers. Welcome people into your house. Or maybe write letters to missionaries like Tani Bessie van Royendert. She's a widow in the church. Or encouraging others, comforting others, just like the Lord has comforted you. Tani Nelly Nell and Tani Anna Engelbrecht in our church do that. They just call believers, encourage them, they visit them. Or maybe praying for the Lord's work, praying for the preaching, praying for the church, like Tani Bessie does often and the other old people in our church. Or like Elijah, he stayed at a widow's house and she took care of him. Or like Jesus said, you do this to other believers, you do it to me. Or like the widow in 1 Timothy 5 verse 5, giving herself to prayer. So don't feel useless because you're old and maybe you're even sick. No, don't feel useless. The Lord sees your service in His church. The Lord hears your prayers. The Lord will reward you. And unfortunately, all widows aren't like that. Some widows are unsaved. So they, what they should do is they should be at the cross where these women are in verse 25. Or where our church is widows, the widows in our church, they're at the cross. They're Jesus. They're with Jesus. And so if you're such a widow, you don't know Jesus yet, you must, you must be sorry for your sin. You must be sorry that you've lived for yourself and you haven't lived for the God who created you. And you should see the love of Jesus. Where Jesus hung, hangs, he's, he, he's hanging on a cross, all mangled and, and broken and bruised and wounded, bleeding. You should see that he took that punishment for your sin, for our sin. He died on the cross, taking the punishment for us. You should acknowledge your sin and your guilt and trust in Jesus to save you from the eternal judgment. 
And then after that, come and find comfort. Come and find refuge and safety in Jesus. Have you done this? Have you given your problems? Have you given your pain to the Lord Jesus? Have you given your sin to the Lord Jesus? Asking asking Him to take it, to remove it. And for you who are a Christian, have you given your pain? You who are a widow, have you given your troubles to the Lord Jesus? Or are you just trying to work through it yourself? Don't do that. Give it to Jesus. He understands your pain. Because Jesus in his whole whole being as a human, he suffered on that cross. He understands your pain better than anyone. He even saw his own mother's pain. As Jesus hung on that cross, he saw Mary standing there in verse 25. She hasn't only lost her husband, now she's lost her son. It's like a sword is piercing through her own soul, Luke 2 verse 35. So do not ever think Jesus doesn't understand what you are going through. Jesus understands. He understands. Jesus understands. And he empathizes and sympathizes with you because he understands. You have to do all the arrangements for the funeral yourself. And you you need to sort out the final will and testament. And you need to go to the bank. And you need to do all the finances yourself. Or you're sitting maybe even in in a foreign country. Or in a different town because a year before your husband died you moved to the sea. Or you immigrated to another country and now you've stuck there like Naomi in Ruth chapter 1 verse 5. Or maybe you need to move back up because now you need to stay with the kids. You can't, you can't afford living in the house where you are now or renting the house because unfortunately your husband didn't make any financial provision for this. Or you need to move into a smaller place or you get into the empty bed at night or you cry, you weep on Christmas day or birthdays or wedding anniversaries you feel alone and you feel it's like a, a knife cutting into your heart because you're in the shop and there you see your husband's favorite snack or his favorite food and you see his handwriting on a, on some scrap of paper or some piece of paper in a book and you feel sad all over again or you're invited to a wedding and you're alone or Maybe your son gets married, but your husband has, has died. And you wish he could have seen his own son's wedding. You wish he could have held his grandchild, but now he's not there. And people, people act as if life must just go on. And then after the funeral, they forget all about you. Or maybe you're a young widow, and suddenly you need to be the mother and the father. And you need to... Drive up and down to school and to the children's sports activities and your husband's not there and you feel lonely. Jesus understands. Don't become bitter against the Lord. Like Naomi, you said, the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. God's hand has gone out against me. Oh yes, he's sovereign, but don't become bitter against the Lord. Don't become angry. Tell the Lord all your heart. Pour out your heart. Tell him, Lord, I don't understand why you took away my husband. I don't know why you didn't heal him when I prayed for healing. But I rest in your will, Father. Please help me to work through this pain. 
And it's not necessary for you to hold back the tears. You can cry. You can weep. Don't say to yourself, it's been a year. Why am I not over my husband's death? You know, people grieve differently. You don't need to grieve like others. One widow wants to keep her husband's blazer or a jersey. And that's fine. And, and this widow wants to maybe remove pictures off the wall. And say, I don't want to see the pictures all the time. It makes me sad. That's fine. And another, another one wants to keep the pictures. That's fine. It's just not true. It's simply not true to say that everyone goes through the same steps of grieving, like the, the Elizabeth Kibler-Ross method, um, where people say, everyone's going to go through these steps of denial. I can't believe it. It can't be. And then anger. And then bargaining with God. Lord, if you do this for me, then I'll repay you in this way. And then depression. And then acceptance. It's not true that everyone goes through those steps. As long as you remember the biblical principles and you don't weep like an unbeliever or mourn or grieve like an unbeliever where you feel absolutely hopeless, then it doesn't matter how you go through the grieving process. Whatever works best for you, that's fine. As long as the biblical principles are there and you're not hopeless. And then remember the, the following when you do grieve. Don't take big decisions too quickly. Don't make big decisions too hastily, like moving. I'm not saying you're not allowed to move, but don't make the decision hastily. If you can help it. Sometimes you can't help it. You have to move. You can't afford the place. That's fine. Or, or getting remarried. Don't make such a decision hastily. Within, within two months, you married again. I know you're lonely, but think through those things. Because the consequences of making such large decisions... It's too great to just make them hastily. Rather discuss a matter like that with your pastors, with your elders, with uh, a faithful Christian friend or with a biblical counselor. And then another thing to remember is don't withdraw completely. I understand in the beginning, you want to be alone. You don't want to maybe see many people. That's fine. I understand. You need to work through issues and you're sad and you're crying. But... Eventually, you must be among people. You must mingle with other believers again. You must be with your spiritual family again. And then even use your spiritual gift to serve in the body of Christ. Another thing to remember is, or to learn, is get remarried if you have a desire to do so. And obviously, only get remarried to someone who truly understands the gospel, they've been born again, and you can see the fruit of repentance in their lives, and they're not divorced on unbiblical grounds. Because if you just marry any person, and maybe the person's divorced, and there are no biblical grounds, the Bible says, then you commit adultery. Uh, even Ruth, in Ruth 1, when she was widowed, Naomi said to her, get remarried. And that's fine if you want to do that. Because it is better, according to Scripture, to to get married than to burn with passion, burn with desire. If you've got a strong sexual desire, you've got a strong desire for a husband, get married. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 8 and 9. 1 Timothy 5 verse 11 to 15. And that'll help you that you're not like two widows I know. Both of these widows, they committed fornication, they committed sexual immorality after they became widowed. Their husbands died and then the one just moved in with the man and the other one, the man moved in with her. Don't do that. 
Something else to remember is be with other women who serve the Lord faithfully. You see that in verse 25. You see these women. Uh, Jesus' mother is there, Mary. And then her sister is there. It says in verse 25, her sister, according to, if you compare this to the other Gospels, Matthew and Mark, you see this is, her sister's name is Salome. And she's married to Zebedee. And Zebedee and Salome, they have two sons at least, called James and John. And then another one mentioned is Mary, the wife of Clopas. She is the mother, according to Matthew and Mark and Luke, she is the mother of James the Less or Little James, and also the mother of Joseph or Josis. And then Mary Magdalene, we know all about her. Jesus cast seven demons out of her, Luke 8 verse 2, and she's also the very first one to see Jesus alive after the resurrection in John 20. So like these women, like these women, uh, they gather together at Jesus, at the cross. You also gather with other women around Jesus. Gather around Jesus at the book club, a Christian book club, or a prayer meeting, or a woman's Bible study. Gather around Jesus. Be with other women. Second question. What does the Lord expect of the people around you? Verse 26 and 27. So now I'm preaching to the rest of us here. If you're not a widow. There's a, a man and woman in our church, husband and wife. The, her mother stayed with them and they took real good care of her. They even had a full-time nurse. When they were at work taking care of her on weekends, they would care for her. They loved their mother. They had a little flat, a granny flat especially for her. Uh, and then another lady I know, an old lady, she was in our church, a member here. When she was really old, her children took very good care of her. She didn't want to stay with the children. She wanted to stay in the old age home in the frail care, and she did. And her children paid for her to stay there. And they visited her often and brought gifts and food and cookies and all, all the things old ladies like. And then another example I want to give you is a church I know. This church, they make up food parcels. They make up Grocery parcels for the poor widows in their church, and they take care of them. Now, that is exactly what we need to do. These people who do these kinds of things, they like Jesus. Because this is what Jesus did when his mother was a widow. And Jesus is now dying. He's going to go back to be buried and raised from the dead, and then after a few days go back to heaven. So he makes provision for his mother. So while he's dying... He sees Mary there. He sees her loneliness. He sees her pain. In verse 26, there's his mother. And he doesn't ask his brothers to take care of her because his brothers are not yet believers. John 7 verse 5 says Jesus' own brothers didn't believe in him. And so he doesn't ask them to look after her when he's gone. He asks the disciple whom he loves. Verse 26, the disciple whom he loves is John. We know that from John 21, verse 20, the disciple whom he loved. And then verse 24 says, this is the disciple who's bearing witness about these things, who has written these things. So it's John himself. So John, he asks him, will you please take care of my mother when I'm not here anymore? I don't know if you do this. Do you do this for the widows in your family? Well, God expects it of you. 
And it's your responsibility, and it's the church's responsibility, but it's your responsibility before it's the church's responsibility. Because 1 Timothy 5 verse 4 says <coughs> that believing children and grandchildren should take care of the widows and their family. And then in verse 16 of 1 Timothy 5, it says, Don't let the church be burdened. If that widow has believing family members, they should take care of her. So it's your responsibility first. Don't dump it on the church. So make, make a place in your budget for the widows in your family. Like Job in Job 29 and Job 31, he really cared for widows. He used his riches. He used his wealth. He used his money. He used his food to take care of widows. You should do the same. Or even make a place in your home so they can stay there with you and you take care of them. Or maybe, maybe hire a full-time nurse if that's necessary to take care of them. Or, or if they live in a frail care, to pay for them to be able to live in that frail care. And then visit them often if they're living in an old age home. Visit them often. And take young children with you because old people like little children. They enjoy little children like Ruth, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law in Ruth 4, Naomi, Ruth 4 verse 13 to 15. She was so happy to play with a baby and to nurse the baby, to spend time with Ruth's baby. Or my grandmother, when she was a widow and before she died, she loved it when the children were there. Or I remember the same lady in our church I referred to just now in frail care, and I visited her and I took my child with me. My daughter was still a baby at that stage. She is now about 14 years ago or 13 years ago. And this lady said, oh, I'm so glad you came. You know, just this morning I said, I wish, I said to myself, I wish someone would come and visit us and bring a baby with them. And we brought the baby and she held the baby. She was so happy. If you neglect the family widow, the widows in your family, then you're not like Jesus. Even if you read the Bible often and you pray often and you, you come to the worship services, even if you give money to the church, you're not like Jesus. Because Jesus took care of the widow in his family. Then you're just a hypocrite if you don't take care of the widows. You're like those in Jesus called the Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You don't support your aged parents financially. You're not living like a Christian. You're worse than an unbeliever because even unbelievers take care of the widows in their family. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. I know a, I know a lady who took care of a widow living with her. And she wasn't a Christian and neither was the widow. She took very good care of that widow. So if you don't take care of the widows in your family, you're worse than unbelievers. You've denied the faith. You're not living like a Christian. And if you ignore if you ignore the call of the widow, then God will not hear your prayers. He will ignore your calls. Isaiah one verse seventeen says, You ignore the call of the widow, God will ignore you. Zechariah seven verse nine to eleven and verse thirteen. You ignore the call of the widow, God will ignore you. So do you want to please the Lord? Then believe in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and support the widows in your family. 1 Timothy 5 verse 4. That's true religion. True religion is to take care of the widows, says James 1 27. 
And that doesn't just go only for family members. That goes also for the spiritual family. That goes for the church. Just like John needed to take care of Mary. John here, yes, is a family member of Mary. Because Mary's sister is, is Salome, and that's John's mother. So Jesus and John and James, they were cousins. But, but John is also a spiritual brother. John is a spiritual brother. He believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And just like John took care of Mary, a spiritual family member, we should take care of the widows in our spiritual family, in our church. Like in Acts chapter 6, they took care of the widows. Or Acts chapter 9, Dorcas or Tabitha, she took care of the widows in the church. So who are these widows that need our help? It's not the widows who have, who have children or grandchildren who are believers. We already saw that in, in 1 Timothy 5. Verse 4 and 5. <clears throat> it, it goes here for those who are over 60 years old. This is 1 Timothy 5, verse 9 and 10. So they, they over 60, they can't earn a living anymore. They can't do some work and generate an income. And they have a good reputation as Christians. The fruit of their life. They were faithful to their husbands. They were faithful mothers raising their children. They gave themselves to good works. Those are the widows. Why? Why should we support those widows in the church and not the others? Because if we move outside of these rules, then we start helping widows. The only time they're really interested in the church is when they want money. And so they're only there for the money. Don't support those widows. And then for the younger widows, why shouldn't we support them if they're under 60? Because we want to encourage the younger widows to get remarried. You don't want to support those widows financially. They can do something to generate an income. They can get married. They can have children and raise kids. But now the church is supporting them. It's like they're lying on the church's neck. And the church is supporting them and they say, why should I work? The church will give me money. And instead of working for a living or an income, they go from house to house and they gossip. Or they go from house to house and they're sexually immoral. They meet men. 1 Timothy 5, verse 11 to 15. So don't support those widows. The church must support the widows, only according to the list I mentioned earlier. Support the right kinds of widows. And if we don't do it, if we don't support these widows, then God will discipline us, like he did with Israel in the Old Testament. Many passages, Psalm 82, Isaiah 1 verse 23, Isaiah 10 verse 1 and 2, Jeremiah 7 verse 6, 22 verse 3, Ezekiel 22 verse 6 and 7. All those passages say that God disciplined Israel. He punished them when they didn't take care of the widows. All right, so what about the widows in our church? In our church, none of the widows fall in the category where the church needs to support them and carry them financially. Because all the widows in our church, they have believing children and grandchildren. So what about them? Yes, it's true, they do have believing children and grandchildren. But for some of them, those believing children and grandchildren don't live close by. And so there are ways that we as a church can help them. You can give them gifts for Christmas or for birthdays, or maybe just for no special occasion. Just give them a gift to say, and it's kind of you saying to them, we care about you. Go and visit them. Two of our church members went to visit a widow recently in our church. A widow who's only been a widow for a month, less than a month. And they went to visit her. And another one called and said, how can I help you? 
And then if, we, if the widows can't come to church, we should visit them more often than the widows who can come. Yes, we visit all the widows, but those who cannot come. And I needed to ask the Lord's forgiveness recently, saying, Lord, I haven't done it as I ought, because they, I think of Tani Gwen and Tani Bessie and Tani Joey. None of them can come to church anymore. And they need people to visit them. And then offer to give them a lift to church or to the shop or to the bank or to the doctor or to the chemist or the clinic. Um, some of our widows don't have cars. Tell them, Tony, I'm going to the shop. Can I pick up something or come and drop it at your house? And then invite them for a meal at your house or maybe cook a meal. Ask them if they'll mind and then cook them a meal because sometimes widows, they... They need to cook for themselves and they just don't feel like it today. And then they don't eat healthy meals. Maybe just offer and say, I can cook you a meal once a week if you'd like. And then pray for them. Every week or if you want to, every day, but at least once a week, pray for the widows. And then say thank you. Say thank you to them. Thank them for their faithful prayers for the church, for their faithful service. Tell them that you see this and that God honors this. God will honor it and God will reward them. And then maybe call them and say, is there something I can fix in your house or around your house or change a globe? She can't get on a chair to change a globe. Or maybe can I come and help you clean your house? Two of our people in the church did that not long ago for two different widows in the church. You see, that's God's heart. That's God's heart for widows. God cares about widows. Even in the Old Testament, you see, God caring for the widows out of the tithes in Deuteronomy 14 and Deuteronomy 24. Um, even in the Deuteronomy 24 you find in, in the vineyards and the olive orchards and in the cornfields, the grain fields, the wheat fields, that any wheat that you maybe you dropped or you didn't find this bunch of grapes, a big bunch of grapes under that leaf, that, that must be left for the widows care about them. God cares about them. God protects the widows. He protects them about, against people who want to maybe take advantage of them. You find that all in the Old Testament. Again, Ruth 1 and Numbers 27, when they get remarried and there's family taking care of them. And in Psalm 10 and Psalm 68, he puts them in a spiritual home. He's the protector of widows. Uh, he's the one who cares for widows. Psalm 40, 146 verse 9. He's the one who says, I will take care of your widows in Jeremiah 49 verse 11. So is there a widow you can help in some way? Maybe you can protect that widow against people who want to take advantage of her. Because now someone needs to fix her car and and repairing a car costs a lot of money. And then you get these mechanics. They really take, they like vultures. They, they abuse the situation. They don't care that they're taking all the widow's money. Or maybe her house needs to be fixed, but they don't do a proper job. And Exodus warns us in Deuteronomy, if you take advantage of the widow, Deuteronomy 27 verse 19, or Proverbs 15, 25, Malachi 3 verse 5, help that widow. Maybe you can protect her against men that just, it's like they taking advantage of her, not only financially, but they want to take advantage, even, sorry for saying it in this way, but sexually. Protect that widow, but then take your wife along. 
Or maybe take another man with you, another Christian man, so that people don't, don't start accusing you of having wrong intentions and wrong motives. Maybe you can protect you against false teachers, false teachers on TV who want to take advantage of her. They promise spiritual blessing if she'll send her money to them and even send her husband's all the pension money like the Pharisees did in Luke 20 verse 47. You see them taking advantage of the widows or that poor widow in Luke 21 throwing her last two copper coins in the treasury in the temple. They're taking advantage of the poor woman. We shouldn't just know these things. Don't just know about these things. Do these things. Like in verse 27, from that hour the disciple took her to his home. He did what Jesus asked him. Do what Jesus asked. We must do. Oh Lord, help us to do. Yes, and when you do this, you must tell yourself in advance, it's going to cost you. It's going to take sacrifice. You need to give your time and your money and open your home and your routine and your schedule might change and be interrupted or maybe even your family may be interrupted because now I need to drop the kids and now I need to see granny and take care of her and it's going to drain you emotionally. And it's going to take humility and humiliation and patience because you have to help the poor old widow in the bathroom. You have to help your mother and she's slow and she forgets and she wants your your attention and she wants converse to you to converse with her and talk to her all the time. She wants company. She's lonely. And you need patience because sometimes the other brothers and sisters don't care. You're the only one taking care of your widowed mother. And you need patience. You just do what is right and the Lord will reward you. So that is what God expects of of the people surrounding the widows. That is what he expects of the widows, and that's what he expects of us, who need to take care of the widows. And he wants you to remember, widow, he wants you to remember death is not the end. If you're a believing widow, and if your husband knew the Lord, you will see one another again. You'll even, you'll even recognize one another in heaven. And on the new earth, just like in Matthew 17, Peter recognized Moses and Elijah, although he had never met them. Or in Luke 16, in the afterlife, the rich man knew that is Lazarus and Abraham. Or in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 14, where Paul says, When Jesus comes, you Corinthians, you'll be our joy. Or to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, you'll be our joy, our crown of glory. You... We'll recognize you, we could be, we'll be happy about you. Or in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, don't grieve as those who have no hope. Why? Because you're going to see those believers again. That's the point. I remember an old man asking me all about this about two years ago. I visited this man in the old age home, and he said, am I going to recognize my wife in heaven? And I shared those verses with him, and he was very happy. So yes, you will not, you will not remarry your, your spouse because Matthew 22 verse 30 says we won't marry in the life to come. But you will have a sinless relationship 
or that spouse and you'll be best friend, best friends and you won't have a, a wrong word to say to each other. In this life you weren't always perfect, were you? But then it'll be perfect, better than it ever was in this world. And you'll be very happy to be part, to share and take part in the great marriage between Jesus and his church. You'll be part of that. And so I hope that, that, that looking forward to that will help you through the loneliness and through the pain to hang in there and to keep on keeping on. And it will also help you if you remember that Jesus will not leave you for one moment. He is with you all the days, even to the end of the age. That's what, what helped Martin Holt when his wife died, when he became a widower. Martin Holt said that not, no message helped him as much as this letter that he received from a preacher in Wales. And the preacher just wrote to him these words when Martin's wife died. He said, Dear Martin, now you are alone, yet not alone. Sincerely yours, Stuart. Let's pray. Lord, for some of these widows, the wounds are fresh and the pain is real. And some have been widows for many, for many years and still there are times of loneliness. And I pray that you would remind them they are alone yet not alone. We look forward to your coming when we will meet with you and we will meet with all those believers who have passed on, who have gone to heaven, gone to glory, also the husbands of these widows. And we will be re reunited in that great feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb. We praise you. Comfort the widows and help us as a church to take care of them well. Amen.